welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded in Paris, France at an Innovation Roundtable workshop hosted by EDF in September 2017, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Matteo Gori, Managing Director at Cucina Barilla, to discuss the company's approach to innovation. Matteo describes the process of coming up with disruptive innovations and new business models, engaging with the right partners, and how to evaluate experiments based on customer insights. Matteo, thank you very much for joining me in my uh, interview room, in the kind of the backstage room almost. Um, maybe we start the interview by uh, you just um, briefly explaining who you are, okay. um, what company you work for, and what role you have at the moment. Okay. So my name is Matteo Gori. I work at Barilla. Um, I've been with Barilla for nine years, and right now I'm the managing director of Cucina Barilla. Prior to that, I've been mostly in marketing and innovation, and I've been working on Cucina Barilla for the last uh, five, five and a half years. Maybe you can uh, start with explaining a bit uh, kind of Cucina Barilla is kind of different of what you have been doing before uh, at Barilla, and how does that fit in the, the work you have been doing there with, with kind of the larger fra innovation framework at uh, Barilla. Okay, yeah, so uh, before Cucina Barilla was basically doing marketing and innovation roles within the core business, so I've been uh, developing new products, uh, developing brands and, and things like that. Cucina Barilla was kind of a different story. It came out of an innovation team, which was set up a few years ago, uh, and basically had a role of looking at long-term disruptive innovation. So not just the standard new products, the new biscuit, the new pasta, the new sauce, but actually platforms, services, trends, uh, things that were far away and further away in the future. And basically after a few years, I would say of incubation to a certain extent, Cucina Barilla was launched uh, into the Italian market two years ago. It took us basically five years of development and then uh, we uh, introduced it into the market. What would you say? I mean, Cucina Barilla is clearly kind of a disruptive innovation. And then there's a lot of incremental innovation going on in, in kind of the general and other parts in, in, at Barilla within innovation. How much would you say, if you look at other disruptive projects, how much would you say is the percentage-wise? How much incremental innovation is going on, on on an everyday basis and how much of the disruptive uh, stuff? On okay, yes, I, I would say uh, Barilla is very much focus on, on incremental innovation. I mean, uh, bear in mind is, uh, let's say, relatively big fast-moving consumer goods company, so it needs to have new products and upgrades and, and uh, incremental new products uh, quite regularly. But then over the past few years, Barilla has been trying uh, different business models, like Cucina Barilla. Uh, another example could be Barilla restaurants, which are no uh, an innovation per se, but they're innovation for a company like Barilla. Mm -hmm. And then we've been trying even more disruptive things like the 3D printing, uh, pasta in 3D printing, as well as uh, collaboration with startups. Mm -hmm. So the majority of time, of course, and, and resources are located to incremental innovation, but disruptive innovation has been uh, playing a big role over the past few years. Like, and now take the, the example of Cucina Barilla. How was that born? And, and how are generally kind of ideas cho chosen to, to make projects out of it? Sure. Well, basically, the innovation team I was describing earlier on was uh, looking at trends. I wasn't part of it at the very beginning, but was looking at long-term trends. And we saw 
couple of trends and we kind of saw an interception of these two trends. One trend was that people have less and less time to cook, uh, but on the other hand, are not willing to give up on quality, freshly cooked food, mm. uh, at least a percentage of the population, of course. Um, then on the other hand, we looked at uh, basin refill models like the Nespresso or the Soda Stream or the Razoring Blade. And these models had been in the shaving world for the uh, first few decades, and now they were getting more and more popular into beverage with coffee and water, etc. And if you combine these two trends, uh, we kind of saw the trend for something that could take out the cooking, but giving you the result of something freshly cooked, mm. uh, starting from the ingredients and in an automatic way. And we thought that that could be a trend which was uh, worth uh, investigating and possibly trying to anticipate in it rather than catching up with it later on as it happened with other trends in the past. Mm -hmm. And then w that's where we started developing the idea. Um, to give you a very concrete example, it started as a closed system, as a basic refill system for a bread making machine, mm -hmm. uh, which a few years ago were really popular in Italy and in other uh, European countries. Mm -hmm. And then we started thinking, okay, but if this new basic refill system can do bread, maybe it could be doing pizza and focaccia and cakes, and then maybe could be doing pasta and risotto. And all of a sudden we had uh, a basin refill food system, the first basin refill food system in the world. Mm. And looking at other ideas and projects within, is there a process that, uh, and kind of where you then, where people within the organization are approaching with new ideas, and especially those that are of disruptive nature, how, how is kind of the, the process, how does it look like if you have other, um, there are probably other um, disruptive ideas in the pipeline at earlier stages at the moment? Okay, so what we did with Cucina Barilla um, back then, we basically took the process that we normally use for incremental innovation, which is a phase and gate process uh, managing the innovation funnel, and we kind of apply it to the Cucina Barilla uh, product as, as well uh, in a sort of customized way. Mm -hmm. uh, so we run market research, we did quantitative and qualitative research, we did uh, first the concept, then the evaluation, etc., etc. What uh, I think we are doing more and more with the, let's say, these rapid innovations I was mentioning to you earlier on is we are further and further customizing the phase and gate process, which works really well for incremental innovation, but needs customization for things which are pretty different uh, from a business model standpoint and from a also strategic standpoint. Mm -hmm. So we customize the, the phase and gate process as much as possible, uh, trying to keep what is good of it in terms of checking the strategic relevance of an idea, uh, of course the financial goals and business KPIs of an idea, but on the other hand, leaving disruptive ideas uh, a bit more free in terms of how they are developed, how they are born, and also what kind of partnerships they develop outside of the company. Mm. How does kind of the funding structure look like uh, then? Is it that connected to the stages or uh, and how was it in the case of Cucina Barilla and, and how is it managed in, in, in other projects that are going on? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much connected to stages. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is in any sort of uh, phase and gate funnel, innovation funnel is you start with a lot of ideas which require very little funding and then of course the more you progress, uh, probably the bigger funding you need, but on the other hand, the more robust the idea becomes because it gets 
tested, evaluated, customized, uh, further developed, etc. And that was the way it worked with uh, Cucina Barilla as well. On the other hand, uh, Cucina Barilla is all about outsourcing. Um, so there were not a lot of investments internally. Uh, investments were actually big in terms of building the uh, setups with these external stakeholders, external partners, and then of course the, let's say, marketing and business support to the idea when it was introduced into the market, so the classical go-to-market strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was relatively light in terms of uh, internal costs because of the fact that it's uh, built on uh, a business process outsourcing. Mm. In terms of kind of location, geographically, but also organizationally, where was Cucina Barilla, where was it kind of placed, or where are those kind of projects placed? Okay, so when the innovation team was set up, which then gave birth to Cucina Barilla, we were physically, uh, basically halfway between R&D, the R&D building and the business and headquarters building. Okay. And the idea was actually to take R&D pure ideas, uh, trends, ingredients, uh, any sort of insight, and try to transform it into a potentially a business case, uh, like a business. Um, now Cucina Barilla is within the Barilla organization, but uh, has quite a few degrees of freedom in terms of internal processes and in terms of how the business is managed. Because, of course, it's a managed with its business, which is completely different from the standard Barilla business in Italy and elsewhere. Um, so we try to, let's say, take the best of the two worlds. On one hand, we try to uh, take advantage of the know-how that the company has, and on the other hand, we try to uh, have some freedom uh, because our business needs it. Mm. And the same is probably true with the other disruptive uh, innovation and ideas that I was mentioning earlier on. Mm. You were mentioning this was, there was some technology, but some knowledge and capability that was not inside Barilla yes. before, and that's often the case if you really go into kind of new territory. Uh, how did you go about selecting the right partners uh, for that and finding them, selecting them, and then engaging in a partnership that works? Sure. So basically, yes. I mean, Cucina Barilla has so many elements which are not uh, usually part of the Barilla capabilities. I mean, look at the microwave oven and the, so the oven manufacturer. Look at the e-commerce provider because Cucina Barilla is a business to consumer e-commerce. So um, what we tried is basically we went for scouting, we went for competitive assessments and, and tendering, uh, trying to take the best partner, not only in terms of the uh, supposed costs uh, and time of development, but also in terms of cultural fit. Mm -hmm. For instance, we selected Whirlpool, which in terms of uh, technological partners is a company which is pretty strong and, and big as Barilla is, but has a European headquarter in Italy. Mm -hmm. And therefore we could have access to, let's say, uh, a company or some decision making within the company instead of selecting other company which were probably uh, far, further away, not only geographically, but culturally as well. Um, so we always try to take that into account and we always try to take all the elements of a partner 
course proposal, fitting uh, from a cultural standpoint, etc., etc. And we did that with the uh, technological partner, with the e-commerce provider, and also with the selection of all the food suppliers, because most of the food that's inside Cucina Barilla comes from external suppliers. I mean, mm -hmm. our plants, our production lines are not built for uh, risotto or uh, focaccia or, or pizza. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that is particularly true. And for a company like Barilla, which is pretty proud of being a make company, a manufacturing company, mm -hmm. it was quite a novelty. I mean, so much of Cucina Barilla is uh, outsourced. And, and so the set of skills that you need are completely different from the uh, standard business. You need to be good at selecting and managing external partners. Barilla has a lot of suppliers, not that many uh, uh, strategic partners. Mm -hmm. I mean, one part is kind of the whole technology around it. And then you also mentioned e-commerce partners. And the business model was also a different one, yes. uh, a very different one than the traditional Barilla business uh, yes. model usually. Uh, how did that kind of uh, yeah, almost transformation or that change, how did you, what did that take to put it into reality? Well, uh, first of all, we it took uh, has some time to or some effort to realize that the uh, standard Barilla business model in terms of uh, sales channels uh, would not work very well with the Cucina Barilla concept mm -hmm. uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, we needed, I mean, envisioning Cucina Barilla as a service. We needed to have a direct relationship with our consumers mm. uh, because we wanted to make sure that we were, let's say, by their side every single step of the way. But also from a, let's say, sustainability standpoint in terms of supply chain and, and sales channels. So um, then we realized that one way was to have an e-commerce, a business-to-consumer e-commerce website to sell our kits and then eventually to sell the old Cucina Barilla concept. Um, and then, yes, we, we did the competitive tendering, as I was mentioning earlier on, and, and we started. And of course, uh, it took us a lot of effort because uh, not having the capabilities to do something internally also means that probably you don't have uh, great capabilities, at least on day one, to manage it, uh, even when it's uh, externally outsourced. So we had to grow competence, know-how in terms of how the website should look like, what the process payment should be, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Et the other thing which is quite interesting when it comes to the business model of Cucina Barilla is when we started, uh, it was a, a one-time sale on the oven side and then sales of the kits would happen on our website. Um, and basically one year after we introduced it into the market, we changed the business model when it comes to consumers. Mm -hmm. So basically, we developed a subscription model which allows you to subscribe to a number of kits which you receive every single month and get the oven uh, on sort of lease, extended loan. Um, that would actually work and it has worked much better in uh, explaining and communicating the Cucina Barilla concept which is a concept of base and refill, so of the two things. Mm -hmm. And it's not a concept on one appliance and maybe some kids uh, as spare parts. Mm. What about the team? Now I'm curious about the team, how it started and how it grew. And now you were also mentioning um, kind of some capabilities, even managing the, the external partnership. How did you uh, solve those, uh, those challenges in terms of also recruiting and, and building a team 
uh, capable of doing that. Sure. So um, when I uh, was working on Cucina Barilla, on the Cucina Barilla concept within the innovation team, of course, uh, the team was pretty small um, because it was still a concept and it was still, I mean, the real stuff hasn't hadn't happened yet. Mm. And in terms of all the other functions, I mean, I was referring to the business and marketing team, the innovation team. And then in terms of all the other functions contributing to Cucina Barilla, like supply chain, R&D, uh, finance, etc., we had this sort of project team or task force, if you if you may, mm. uh, which try to manage all the different things, all the different sides of the of the project. Normally, this project team or this task force, when the project gets then approved and introduced into the market, are sort of dismantled, and then things are managed by the core functions, mm -hmm. the, the standard core teams. Um, in the Cucina Barilla case, we, we didn't go that way because it wouldn't have made sense. So what we did and what we're still doing is that project team is still in place, um, and it allows basically to have quite a few people inside the room managing all the aspects of Cucina Barilla. Again, not only the business, but all the aspects related to it. And then um, when it comes to my, let's say, direct team, uh, yeah, we basically kind of grew it uh, gradually. Uh, of course, we introduced capabilities which we had to hire from outside, like a digital and e-commerce manager mm. that was in charge of uh, the e-commerce platform as well as of the digital marketing activities. And, and on the other hand, we uh, sort of recruited people internally. So people that had been in marketing at Barilla and, and joined my team. Um, and then, yes, I mean, you see all of the people working on Cucina Barilla are constantly developing new, let's say, leadership capabilities because of the setup with the external stakeholders and, and, and uh, outside partners. So you can see that these are managers used to, as I said, do things internally on their own with uh, internal teams. And now uh, they spend most of their time outside of the offices uh, and they sort of spend most of their time teaching and waiting and making sure that the external partners grow and evolve as much as we need and we want them to do. I'm curious about uh, the way you figured out a lot of things, especially about the, the consumer needs. You, you start by, started by telling about the trends and, and that was handled by another team. But as you moved along trying to figure out the different uh, you know, needs and what works and what didn't work and experimentation with the... What kind of methods did you use to doing that to gather those important insights to get it right and to you know to adapt the strategy? Sure. So what we did is first of all we tried to understand whether the consumer inside the consumer need, which is behind Cucina Barilla, uh, basically was true and and made sense to to final consumers or was just something that uh, was sort of in, internally made up. So. Uh, there we run a combination of qualitative and quantitative research. Uh, qualitative research would be mostly focus groups, mm -hmm. uh, so five, six people with a moderator chatting, and quantitative research, of course, would be uh, um, through a, a, a website at their home. So we try to understand whether there, is, there was that need of eating freshly cooked food, but on the other hand, not being able to uh, cook it as, as, at least as much as uh, the consumer would love. Mm -hmm. And we found that that inside was true. I mean, not for all of the population, just to give you a sense, in Italy, it applies to more or less 10% of, of the population. So 10% of people will tell you, yes, I would like to cook 
more than what I'm able to and eat freshly cooked stuff more than what I'm able to, but busy life, uh, sometimes uh, a lot of commitments, sometimes I don't have the know-how to cook that recipe, I don't want to risk, it's a Tuesday night, etc. Then uh, we started working on the Cucina Barilla concept. Now that we knew there was that need and that insight was true, we started working on the Cucina Barilla concept. And again, we did a combination of qualitative and quantitative. We did a lot of research and it was useful because in a matter of uh, a lot of things, it helped us uh, steer the concept and develop the concept in in a much better way. And of course, we also tested... Uh, what name should this idea have? Uh, what uh, the brand should look like? What the price of the of the kits should be? Um, then, of course, as we do in Barilla, and then I think as we as all the companies do, we took the results from the research and we tried to sort of combine them with what was feasible and what we thought was right in terms of managerial decision. Mm. How do you then, especially? Um, in, in terms of testing, but also user research, I'm, I'm more interested in the qualitative stuff. Sure. You could also comment on the, on the quantitative stuff. More on the qualitative stuff, how do you select the test users or focus groups? Do you have a certain process in place? Do you do it on your on your own or do you have help from outside? Or? Okay, yes, it's normally managed through uh, an external agency like a market research company or market research agency. In terms of Cucina Barilla, we had to pre-screen people because we had so many uh, criteria uh, to go through to make sure that we were interviewing the right people. I mean, mm-hmm. always uh, bear in mind that the need behind Cucina Barilla could apply to 10% of the population. The Cucina Barilla solution could apply to much less than that. So we're probably thinking of 1% to 3% of the population. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we didn't want in the room people which we know were going to say, I'm not interested. And 97% of the population was going to say that, but we were more interested to listen to those who were interested, what kind of ideas, comments, mm-hmm. changes they would make. So we had some pre-screens, like, for instance, you needed to be not a rejector of microwaves because the oven is a microwave. And if you, you, know, if you hate the microwave category mm-hmm. uh, as such, then, of course, the Cucina Barilla concept will never be interesting to you. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be a rejector of e-commerce uh, or technology, generally speaking, but actually being at the forefront in terms of uh, adopting it, trying it, etc. Um, and then, yes, it was all managed by external stakeholders, external agencies, but of course, always in, in direct cont- contact with, with us, the, the marketing team and the market research team. And we did a combination, again, of um, uh, focus groups as well as of ethnographic research so we went in, inside people's houses mm-hmm. trying to understand how the cucina barilla concept and and prototype would get into their daily routines mm-hmm. because at the end of the day when you try something which is disruptive and something that hasn't been tried before the real challenge is will this work not just on day one or two i mean that's it's one thing called the gadget effect i mean i want to try the new the new little toy but you gotta see whether this thing will get into the daily habits, the daily routines, the daily gestures, and for that matter, you kind of need to go inside a consumer's house uh, and and see. Then, of course, we we did it with all the protocols in place. How was it in terms of measurement? And and also, uh, measurement has different levels. But now I'm more interested in in the measurement from kind of who you were reporting to and. 
And how was that progress in Cucina Barilla, especially in the early stages? How was it measured? Um, okay, so um, as I was saying earlier on, we tried to use the Fizzing Gate in terms of development, yeah. trying to use the Fizzing Gate decision trees, but also customizing it to the Cucina Barilla concept. And we realized pretty soon that Cucina Barilla was going to be a, a sort of a startup-like business in terms of that was going to be relatively small and, and probably slow compared to our, uh, to our core business development. Mm -hmm. So we tried to look at other KPIs, like the one that I was mentioning, um, try to understand whether these would get into consumers' uh, daily routines. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we looked at was the estimated, and then after the launch we uh, kept on measuring it in real life, mm -hmm. estimated frequency of consumption of the Cucina Barilla service. Okay. Uh, so not only the effort of putting it into uh, a household, but how often would that happen? Um, and there was a KPI which, of course, is normally not too relevant for, uh, for uh, fast-moving consumer goods companies, uh, but for Cucina Barilla was key because it had to help us answer the question, does it change people's lives mm -hmm. as much as we hope and we think it does? Uh, does it change uh, people's lifestyles? Uh, does it get into the daily routines? So that was that was quite important, and we introduced the KPI KPI at the relatively at the very beginning, and we are keeping on monitoring it first in the research phase and then in the real time and the real life uh, case. Hmm. Now you were briefly talking about uh, leadership uh, yes. capabilities, also of different uh, members of that that small and team. Mm -hmm growing that, their own leadership capabilities. What, what is your take on, uh, on, on leadership in this kind of disruptive innovation world? Because it's, it's very different than, than incremental innovation or, or other process Absolutely. optimization um, environments. It's totally different. And uh, now this might sound uh, obvious, but that, that's, that, that has been my real life experience. Um, You've got to have tons and tons of emotional intelligence. Uh, upward, downward, through the team. Uh, I mean, uh, the lever that I use the most is actually, uh, and that people working on Cucina Barilla use every single day is, uh, you, you might call it moral suasion. Like, sometimes there are not um, reporting lines, either hierarchical or functional, that can help you get there, especially in a business like Cucina Barilla where you need to be really fast and re really reactive, etc. So uh, you get a sort of win uh, your colleagues and then the external stakeholders and finally consumers' hearts and minds and, and bring them with you, um, as well as, of course, the, the top management. Um, you got to make sure that they are exposed to uh, the progress, but on the other hand, uh, you are sort of in a kind of a laboratory working with those five, six people on your own and being able to take a lot of decisions. So, um, yeah, I would say that that is the most important, that is most important uh, leadership skill that, that, uh, that comes to mind and definitely something that you need. Then, obviously, when you work on something like Cucina Barilla, which is uh, so challenging from a consumer standpoint, from a company standpoint, uh, you need, uh, yeah, well, decision-making, you need energy, uh, you need a lot of uh, sort of uh, countless efforts uh, to make things true and to go beyond barriers. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I'm quite lucky because uh, the people uh, that are working on Cucina Barilla have those elements. So I'm, I'm very, very happy about that. Last question now. Uh, I'm curious about the kind of the scaling process because, I mean, you, you reached a point, as far as I understand, where now real scaling could, uh, could take off, or at least it started already. But um, what are the challenges with, with the scaling uh, as soon as you kind of hit uh, a problem and you have a market fit in some way? And, and then what are the challenges now? Okay. So w what we tried to do when we um, developed the Cucino Barilla uh, concept and business, so we tried to set, up, set it up in a way that was easily scalable. So we selected partners, for instance, Whirlpool as the technological partner, the e-commerce provider is Arbato, a German company, even our courier that delivers our food kits is DHL. So we selected partners knowing that one day we would bring this idea even outside of Italy, but on the other hand waiting for that uh, um, international rollout to be, to be right. And, and what I mean by that is that we needed to introduce it to Italian market, see uh, reactions, see whether the business model that we had in mind, the one-time the one time sale could work or they actually change it as we did. Mm -hmm. um, now, yes, I mean, we are reaching a good scale in terms of user base in Italy and uh, with the setup that we have, bringing it to other European countries should be relatively easy. And then it's a matter of prioritizing what country you want to go where first. Um, but we have a few ideas in mind already and I think that in the next few months we might have country number two, country number three mm -hmm. and things like that. Then of course how we select the country will be a combination of um, interest in the concept uh, tested through market research. We had done some of the market research in the past already. Mm -hmm. Interest from uh, our commercial uh, colleagues in having from that country in having the Cucina Barilla concept tested in their in their location, etc. Um, etc. Et um, it will be slightly different, although this sounds counterintuitive, uh, slightly different when it comes to bringing it outside of Europe. Mm -hmm. There would probably need some further setup and some further reassessment of the concept itself. Now my last question is, as you are ramping up, and, and that might be a, a, you know, a very straightforward um, answer from your side, but in terms of production and being able to produce uh, enough hardware in that sense, but also be able to make sure the supply chain for, um, for kind of the ingredients and the, and the kits are, are there, um, is that, are there any, uh, how was that process working and what uh, thinking is going into that? Sure. Well, um, we don't see challenges right now uh, because basically what we selected in terms of suppliers is a combination of suppliers and scale that could uh, work in today today's business and could easily work in uh, a much bigger business than what it is today. So we selected partners which are flexible mm. uh, in terms of ingredients and also in terms of the in terms of the oven production. So that is not an issue. Then it's a matter. It's more a matter of uh, playing with all the elements of the business and all the concept to make sure it works. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, uh, let, for instance, from a supply chain standpoint, the challenge that we have is that uh, food has an expiry date. Uh, 
So uh, it's not an issue if we uh, buy uh, a lot of food, we just to make sure from that specific recipe, for that specific ingredient, we just, make we just need to make sure that it gets true consumers into their households right in time and consumers still have time to use it when it's at home. Mm. Um, and that's quite a difference with the normal e-commerce. I mean, usually e-commerce is of appliances or clothing, things that don't have an expiry date. But I mean, we at Barilla have some uh, know-how when it comes to food management and supply chain of food management. Um, so yeah, I mean, we selected flexible partners. Uh, that was one of the key criteria, which I actually didn't mention earlier on. So now we are okay with bringing it to uh, other countries. And even from a, let's say, logistic standpoint, it should be relatively, relatively easy. Then, of course, there are a lot of assessments to be done. Mm. Um, but yeah, that should, be, that should be relatively easy. Matteo, thank you very much for that uh, pleasant and, and interesting conversation. My pleasure and all the best. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.